Nature by Anne Fausto Sterling. The biologist and cultural theorist Fausto Sterling provocatively criticizes scientific assumptions regarding bodies and desires, which do not, she argues, fall into simple, neat, classifiable shapes like the models proposed by what gender theorists call sexual dimorphism, which is the thesis that there are only two sexes and heterosexuality. The concept of sex has been used socially, culturally, and politically, politically to justify beliefs and attitudes, to structure communities, relations, activities, and hierarchies, to motivate and legitimate actions, and to punish and reward behaviors on the basis of how one's sex is determined scientifically. Bodies and sexualities that fall outside of what science deems the norm have been labeled aberrant or deviant. Despite the myriad ways in which scientists have sought to identify and ground sex in the body through genitalia, hormones, chromosomes, the brain, and genes, according to many theorists and scientists, there are no scientific studies that adequate, adequately accomplish the feat, despite the fact that science and scientific facts themselves are used to justify women's place in society. Fausto Sterling argues that sexual dimorphism is a social, cultural, and political classification system that has imposed itself on the continuum of sex. Historically, the determination of what constituted correct and normal bodies rendered intersexuality virtually invisible within the scientific, medical, and public communities. Against this classification system, Fausto Sterling argues that bodies are infinitely variable and that sexual dimorphism is insufficient for rigorous scientific studies of the body. She says, quote, if nature really offers us more than two sexes, then it follows that our current notions of masculinity and femininity are cultural conceits. Reconceptualizing the category of sex challenges cherished aspects of European and American social organizations, end quote. Fausto Sterling's research is both scientifically and historically based. In researching the historical accounts of sexual difference alongside her own biological studies, she found that the debate concerning sex certain sexualities, sexes, and genders as de deviant, abnormal, or aberrant is a debate concerning theoretical classifications and divisions, a debate about the interpretation of bodies rather than about bodies themselves. Bodies themselves are infinitely variable. Our interpretations of them are not. Fausto Sterling's reinterpretation of sexual difference insists that sex should be understood as a continuum of infinite variation, a conclusion that not only challenges the binaries of male and female and the naturalized heterosexuality that defines them, but of nature-nurture, sex-gender, mind-body, and reason-emotion as well. The following two videos nicely articulate scientific views of the ambiguity of sex and sexuality. I hope that you'll log into D2L and watch them. The first is by Fausto Sterling herself, and the second is by everyone's favorite science guy, Bill Nye. Is there anything natural about nature? The opening of Fausto Sterling's nature features competing concepts of nature. She begins by describing the nature of her childhood and how different it is from the nature experienced by Native Americans and the nature experienced by European colonialists in the same land. Nature is thus conceived in multiple contradictory ways as one, serene and safe, while threatened by humans who are dangerous to it, two, animate, live, an agent requiring respect while humans seek reciprocity with it, and primeval and beyond human touch, dangerous, wild, savage, uninhabited, empty, while certain humans are conceptualized as closer to it or part of it, 
as when nature is represented as feminine or Native Americans are represented as savage, wild, uncivilized, or immoral. Emphasizing the rise of scientific, technological, industrial worldview in Western modernity, Fausto Serling explains how the nature of nature is deeply informed by dominant forms of economic production, social organization, and reproduction. In the 19th century, economic production saw significant shifts from subsistence farming to a market economy, bartering as a form of economic exchange to money and farming to manufacturing and commerce. With respect to social organization and reproduction, the public sphere of production was associated with men, while the private sphere of reproduction was relegated to women. In line with such an economic structure, nature, the earth and its contents, was conceptualized as a passive female, harboring mechanical laws to be studied with natural resources to be tapped. Though such a worldview came to hold sway in the 19th century, its conditions date back to at least the scientific revolution and even earlier to a later period of the ancient Greeks. The mode of thinking and concept of reason that becomes dominant is characterized by binarism, which is an analytic consciousness developed that separated mind from body. The, bi the mind became associated with reason and masculinity, the body with an irrational and at times uncontrollable female nature. All modes of thought became dualistic, subject separated from object, mind from body, male from female, nature from nurture, savage from civilized, black from white. Modern Western scientific thinking, which dominates our own way of thinking, is structured by a set of binaries by which we make sense of the world. Binaries like subject and object, reason and emotion, science and feeling, mind and body, light and darkness, culture and nature, knowledge and magic, good and evil, evil male and female, and civilized and primitive. These binary pairs are considered, considered objective opposites that structure the world and tended to associate together the first of all these pairs, rational, good, culture, light, civilized, male, and the second of these pairs, emotional, evil, nature, darkness, primitive, female. Such structures of thinking provided the framework that justified domination over women and over entire races of people. However, as we've come to see, the world is a bit more complex than such opposites give it credit for. Regardless, science was deemed an illegitimate enterprise for women and people of color who are associated with irrationality and emotion because they're somehow closer to nature. Dominant understandings of nature help us to understand the significance of more recent feminist and anti-racist approaches to nature, especially the nature of bodies, sexuality, and intimacy. Various trends in feminist thinking about nature reveal key insights into how we might think differently about our relationship to nature, science, gender, sex, and sexuality. Ecofeminism. Ecofeminism emerges from multiple movements like the peace movement, the labor movement, the women's liberation movement, and the animal rights movement to provide a framework for understanding intersectional systems of oppression and resistance as they are tied to nature. Ecofeminist activists emphasize the relationship between environmental degradation and the treatment of bodies and sex. The exploitation of the environment and the oppression of people on the basis of a differentiating hierarchy of identity and value based off of gender, race, and nationality are, intrinsic, are intrinsically linked, according to ecofeminists. Different ecofeminisms, such as Early ecofeminism emphasized an intrinsic link between women and nature, a view that is largely discredited. Ecofeminists today emphasize Marxist and socialist insights into the functioning of capitalist modes of production tied to ideologies of gender and race. 
global neoliberal expansion of markets through a debt economy are not simply the fate of capitalism, but are inherently patriarchal and racist. Postcolonial science and technology studies and feminist philosophies of science. These two parallel approach, approaches share critical conclusions regarding traditional or modern forms of reason and knowledge. Both seek to rescue indigenous forms of knowing and science and to develop non-Western local science and technology, rather than imposing Western forms on non-Western, global Southern and indigenous populations. The consequences of development, both claim, have oft, often have bad consequences for women and families. Those who resist Western science are cast as irrational or feminine. Reproductive justice. It seems nothing is more natural than reproduction, but is that true? The concept of reproduction shows how intertwined the biological and the social really are. While it seems reproduction is natural, reproduction is increasingly subject to technological intervention. We can choose when to reproduce, how much to reproduce, to not reproduce. We can also manipulate the entire reproductive process. Reproduction has become denatured, so to speak, from how feminists argued for birth control during the first half of the 20th century to how modern feminists approach the body and technology. Obviously, there's a lot of disagreement over the body and technology relationship and what it should be. What are we to do with our technological capacities with respect to reproduction? Theorists imagine two futures. The first, a dystopic future dominated by eugenics programs, and the second, a utopic future that resists deregulation of markets and medicine for social justice. Regardless of what position you take, the conclusion is clear. There's nothing really natural about reproduction at all. The language used to describe reproduction, the methods and modes of reproducing, motherhood, pregnancy, childbirth, the dominant mode of production and mode of thinking, technological advances, all of these things change reproduction and tell us nothing about the nature of it. The nature of sex. Attention to the nature of nature has significant consequences for how we think about bodies, specifically how we think about sex and sexuality of bodies. Feminists often distinguish between sex as a biological category and gender as a social or cultural one. Traditionally, the relation between sex and gender has been construed as one of necessity. Feminist criticisms have reformulated the relation as one that is arbitrary or contingent. The first, the traditional conception, is generally called essentialism or biological essentialism. The second, the critical conception, is generally called social constructivism. Now for definitions. Essentialism is the belief in a single metaphysical nature that casually determines the identity and characteristics of a specific group of entities. With reference to gender, it is the belief that sex, or the anatomical makeup, determines gender, which refers to socio-cultural roles, behaviors, activities, customs, meanings, and interpretations of bodies. Social constructivism is a theory that all forms of knowledge, or at least essential aspects of it, are the consequence of socio-historical ideas and practices. Social constructivism arises as a response to essentialism in order to designate the irreducibility of history, society, and culture to given natural essences. In feminist theory, social constructivism relies on a distinction between sex as anatomical difference and gender as sociocultural formation. The former is gener generally considered the arbitrary or contingent location of the latter. Social constructivism denaturalizes or historicizes folk and scientific truths about who and what we are. Bodies and desires do not naturally fall into simple, classifiable shapes like male and female. 
critical interrogation of the nature of bodies revealed deep ambiguities that challenged the binary conceptions of sex. Transgenderism and intersexuality are key terms to help redefine the nature of bodies. Generally speaking, the term transgender is an umbrella term that covers a host of trans and crossover identities, including transsexualism, cross-dressing, and intersexuality. A transsexual individual is a person whose gender identity conflicts with their sex assignment at birth. Narrowly speaking, transgender may refer to a gender identity that does not coincide with the sexual or bodily identity that culture and society deem appropriate. Transgendered people do not necessarily see the need to resolve the conflict between their gendered and sexual identities, or rather find the space deemed conflictual by our culture to be the very source of their personal identity. Intersexuality is a term that refers to individuals who exhibit both male and female anatomical characteristics. Intersexuality is the modern term for what used to be designated by the term hermaphrodite, which is now generally frowned upon for its negative connotations. There are currently debates within queer and transgender communities concerning whether intersexuality could, should be included under the umbrella term transgender or queer, because while many do not, some intersex individuals identify with their assigned birth sex. Anne Fausto Sterling is one of the forerunners of the feminist scientific revisions of intersexuality. She argues that sexual dimorphism, the idea that there are only two sexes, male and female, is a social, cultural, and political classification system that sought to impose itself on the continuum of sex. Historically, the determination of what constituted correct and normal bodies rendered intersexuality virtual and virtually invisible within the scientific, medical, and public communities. Against this classification system, Fausto Sterling argues that bodies are infinitely variable and that sexual dimorphism is insufficient for rigorous scientific studies of the body. She says, quote, if nature really offers us more than two sexes, then it, no it follows that our current notions of masculinity and femininity are, culturally con are cultural conceits. Reconceptualizing the category of sex challenges cherished aspects of European and American social organizations. Fausto Sterling's research is both scientifically and historically based. In researching the historical accounts of sexual difference alongside her own biological studies, she found the debate concerning intersexuality as deviant, abnormal, or, aber or aberrant is a debate concerning theoretical classifications and divisions, a debate about the interpretation of bodies. Bodies themselves are infinitely variable. Our interpretations of them are what are not. Fausto Sterling's reinterpretation of sexual difference insists that sex should be understood as a continuum of infinite variation. Fausto Sterling provides alternative models for thinking about realities that have traditionally been distorted by binary thinking. Two of them are the Mobius strip and the dynamic systems theory. The Mobius strip, which is pictured on the D2L lecture, is a thin strip of material that is twisted once and then jointed end to end. It represents a way of thinking of two poles on a continuum in a way that one leads into the other. The dynamic systems theory emphasizes complex process over static structure. Fausto Sterling's example of such thinking is playing with rests, is playing with Matryoshka or Russian nesting dolls. The process of play involves assembly and disassembly, which resembles knowledge processes. Only the whole process makes sense. In the first example, the development of the brain depends on several elements that are anatomical 
physiological, behavioral, and social, forming part of a unitary system. In the second example, fetuses smile, but smiling is not as social, but smiling is not social until three months, and meanings develop over a lifetime. Smiling is not simply a reflex, but a complex development that changes and grows in relationship to one's environment. We need everything from biology to sociology to poetry to capture the meaning of a smile. Bodies are like this too.